and I want to share this with people. Uh, uh, doesn't matter what uh, um, difficult conditions uh, we are in, if we have inside the hope and the faith and courage, we would uh, be able to achieve any goals in our life. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I talk with fascinating, talented, and inspiring guests who reflect on the adventures and challenges of aging and who are living their lives with vibrance and purpose. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist, writer, and fellow Zestful Ager. I want to invite you to my brand new free webinar, Zestful Aging. Here's how you do it. You can sign up at NicoleChristina.com. And as always, I appreciate your feedback. Last week, we spoke with Gary Glazner, and we actually sang along with Gary. He is the founder of the Alzheimer's Poetry Project, and he does beautiful work with helping people with dementia and Alzheimer's do some um, poetry and it's so interesting to see the way he brings joy in people's lives and then next week we're going to be speaking with Marianne Suko who is a nurse and an author she's part of the collaboration of all's authors well I have my Jack Russell Terrier Sparky right beside me and my coffee in my hand so let's begin Margaret Zhao is the author of the award-winning memoir, Really Enough, a true story of tyranny, courage, and comedy. And it charts her daunting struggle for survival, freedom, and forbidden love as an enemy of the state under Chairman Mao. Her natural sense of humor has led her to become a stand-up comedian and motivational speaker applauded by audiences of all ages. Margaret lives in San Francisco and has been actively teaching complementary medicine and sharing Buddhist philosophy. Uh, when is your next performance, com uh, comedy performance? I just had one uh, February the 2nd. Uh-huh. And and was it with your friends? No, no. It's performing for like 500 audience in the auditorium. And uh -huh. then uh, um, it's for the celebration of Chinese New Year. I'm mm -hmm. just the one of the uh, performers. Yes. And, and did you talk about Chinese New Year or did you talk about your experiences in China? So uh, then the, the stand-up comedy uh, is just to do the uh, jokes to make people mm -hmm. laugh. Mm -hmm. And then I, I did a host, a co-host one, uh, February 10th with the theater next to the city. And then I, I talked about uh, Chinese New Year, the, the origin of it, and, and then and, and the uh, song Chinese uh, 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 Peking Opera and uh, mm -hmm. kind of entertain them. <laughs> is it an important year for Chinese New Year? Every year is important. Right? <laughs> okay, in different ways. Different ways, exactly. Yes, yes. And what what is this year? Tell us about what we can expect. This year is the year of the pig. Mm -hmm. So it's like 12 years as a cycle. 
I see. And the year of the pig, uh, focusing on uh, building business, symbolizing wealth. Ah, so probably a lot of people are excited about that. Yes,、mm-hmm. I think uh, uh, every year we can focus a theme, and,、mm-hmm. and then we we can achieve things、uh, in start from our mind, right?、Mm-hmm. Belief、mm-hmm. and hope. <laughs> and are there prayers specific to each、um, year or each animal? How how does that work? Prayers, prayers、uh-huh. or songs. Ah,、oh, okay. So we don't have have that actually.、Mm-hmm. Yes, it's just very much celebrated at the beginning of the、uh, of the Lunar Canada. Yeah,、mm-hmm. it's a.、Uh, um, Chinese. It's a little bit one month、uh, later than than the regular New Year,、mm-hmm. so it's Lunar New Year. And then now in America, so many uh, uh, people, uh, cities, and organizations embracing Chinese New Year. And then now we don't even say Chinese New Year much, and we we would rather be inclusive, saying like a, a Lunar New Year. Oh, Lunar New Year! I see. And so, what is a typical celebration for、uh, Lunar New Year and and Year of the Pig?、Uh, it's a really a、uh, very exciting、uh, traditional way in China, and and you have、uh, lion dancing and and a dragon competing、mm-hmm. with performers, and and people have to be together the New Year Eve to eat in that a、uh, big feast like、mm-hmm. our. Thanksgiving dinner here,、mm-hmm. and then the first day、uh, of the new year, you stay home. And, I see. And with the family,、mm-hmm. and the second day you go out to visit your immediate、uh, relatives, like in-laws, and then、mm-hmm. the third day you can start to visit friends. There's a lot of cooking, yes. The cooking is、uh, done at Chinese、uh, New Year Eve. Uh-huh. And then after that,、uh, you have plenty of prepared food. So cooking、uh, not important、uh, at the New Year time because you have abundance already. If, I see. Yeah, you have leftovers. Leftovers. <laughs> yes. Nice yes. leftovers. Did you cook, Margaret? Did you make make food?、Uh, actually, no, because.、Uh, I I don't even feel the 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 that kind of atmosphere. I'm a vegetarian. Not、oh. much to cook. <laughs> ah, yes. Usually I ask them. I say, when when is the、uh, New Year Eve、uh, and when is the New Year Day? But、uh, other Chinese people around here they kind of more emphasizing on that、uh, eating part. And it's not since I never had a lot of food growing up. It's not my emphasis.、Right. <laughs> So maybe we should talk about growing up because I know our audiences want to hear about your experience、um, as a child in China growing up. It sounds like in like an upper middle class family, your dad was a businessman. Is that right? Yes.、Mm-hmm. And you had a nice house. Oh no, not just a nice house. They they had a mansion. They had. They were like the number one in the equivalent of America is like the the county. Oh, really? Yes, in、okay. that county, they were the landmark. 
they are uh, oil factory, cooking oil factory. Right, right. And your dad, your family employed a lot of people to work for the factory. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And they were not called, like, uh, they are the employees, they are the servants. They were called, like, respected term, like masters. Like ah. Yes. If you know they they were working there, and then when they are in the scale, and then they are even called the sifu. Uh, it's like the the leader, the master. I see. Very much respected. Skilled. I see. And what kind of cooking oil is this? What what were you growing to turn into cooking oils? Is it soybean? At that time, I wasn't born. I just uh, uh, know the cooking oil. Yeah. Very, um, like a sesame oil. Very Ses- typical. I see sesame oil. And so you were born and you had a lovely home with family. Your mom had treasures and jewelry. And and then talk a little bit about the change, the political change and 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 the impact on your life and your family. Uh, when I was born, they they were uh, in they were sent to the country uh, with the peasants, and I ha- didn't see any of their wealth or anything. I I just uh, heard from from family. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes, they 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 were. My mother was uh, educated at her age, and so my father was business uh, like inherited from the <clears throat> grandparent mm-hmm. and and then after the companies took over and then anybody uh, who was wealthy uh, uh, was regarded as uh, exploiter mm-hmm. of the people mm-hmm. so they became the uh, enemy of the mm-hmm. state mm-hmm. so when i was born and they were the enemy already and oh. i was little enemy <laughs> you were little enemy and i remember in your book this incredible scene of the soldiers coming in and you were hiding that's not they, they were that was like after the liberation already oh. it was after and, uh, and that was the last home we had Okay, other things are taken already, and and then so it's uh, it's the last uh, uh, house that they they needed to take take away, and then so that was the time we were sent uh, to the uh, country mm-hmm. with no country skills, right? I mean, you were not did not know how to farm for food. You were, it's, it's, would it be similar to someone in the suburbs or um, in the city, you know, relying on uh, buying things for uh, your eating, your health, your well-being, your livelihood, all of this. And now all of that's gone. You're sent to the country to sort of do the best you can with no skills no skill it's just really you can't survive without the skill and and uh, you know you have to know the season you have to know what kind of uh, uh, plants what kind of uh, things you you grow uh, with what so the okay. this why they couldn't uh, 
uh, survive well, always on the uh, living in fear. There is no meal next uh, day. <laughs> There's so many descriptions in your book, Margaret, of you boiling weeds. Yes, I'm still good at that. that ah, is they call that foraging now, but that's uh, a little different uh, than what yes. you were doing. You had no choice. Exactly. Um, at that time, this is why even now I'm affected by the weather. When the weather is like raining a long time, I start to have this nameless fear. Like uh, uh, I, I, I figured it out finally, uh, depression like. Uh, because I always uh, worried when it was raining because I still had to go to the uh, uh, fields to go to look for food mm. and, and uh, collect the, the wild uh, plants and bring home. So very, very hard in the muddy uh, fields. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you, 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 you don't have proper things to wear. You, you are wet and the, the muddy, all that is really hard. And you so were so now, cold and, and damp. Yes, yes. And uh, when you go to the rice paddy to, to look for that particular plants for, uh, for food called uh, bitter uh, yellow flower plants. Mm-hmm. And then it's very muddy. And when you step on it, it your feet uh, would sink mm-hmm. deep. And then you had to pull very hard mm-hmm. out of the mud for your next step. That, that's deep in my brain. And you were uh, you were a little girl. Yeah, about six, uh, seven years old. Yeah. And did did some of the people who were on the farms? I mean, there really weren't farms. They were like shanties. Did they help you learn how to forage, or did you have to um, figure it out all by yourself? Uh, help in what? In doing what? To show you which plants were edible or how to, you know, what you could use for starting fires. Did anybody show you how to survive? I don't remember anybody showed us mm-hmm. because you have a, a, a little patch at your backyard because we were living in someone else's house. So then you supposed to grow your own. Who would have time to come to 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 teach you? Mm-hmm. I think that maybe there there were friends and and showed you how to do. But then this is a long term. It doesn't just grow tomorrow. You have to know how to care for it too. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the cabbage. I remember that we tried to grow the pack uh, the cabbage, right? You see, you go to the store, it's around it, and, mm-hmm. and but. Uh, we were growing it. It, it, it refused to like grow together to wrap. So then we didn't know what to do. And then, then my mother and I, we would try to fold it in with our hands and put a little rock over it. So wanting this to wrap like the regular, but it oh, just I because see. it didn't have fertilizer. It didn't um, grow correctly. Right. Right. <laughs> what were there people? I mean, was this? used as regular farmland was this even uh like was there enough sun i know there wasn't fertilizer but did i mean like you know our history in the u.s is giving native people the worst land right i mean this is the worst land that you were on 
I don't know if they give the because it's attached to that house you you live in. Ah, it's not a, a, they are assigned to you. But what they assign to you is that you go to work in the commune. Yeah. Okay. And then that's my sisters. They are older than me. They were sent to to work in the commune in uh, in the fields. But I was too young at the time. So mm -hmm. they were working day and night and uh, for. And without earning any uh, points to bring home food, so you rely on the backyard to grow mm -hmm. the food, and the backyard the barren. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the year, we owe the government, uh, the commune, because so every like a month we didn't have food, right? We would go to advance a little rice, or a little um, uh, sweet potatoes. Mm -hmm. and, and then you would advance it and then you would uh, keep going and then in the end your points earned uh, less than the food you, right. you advanced. You were in debt. Yes, yes. So they, they even joke the ones that still remember that. Um, my father was at the home and then the, the, the people passing by. Why don't you, uh, at the end of the year, you go to get your harvest, right? The get, uh, allocation of you deserve from your working points. So, so that guy was yelling out, uh, joking to my father, "Hey, why don't you come to get your allocation?" Uh, uh, and then, so you you have the uh, uh, paper, you you the the receipt uh, mm -hmm. of your you borrowed, you can come to get that. So just like uh, joking with him, mm -hmm. you you come to to get how much debt you have. Oh my goodness! It yeah, it, it's so interesting. I mean, were people in that? situation you your family did anybody talk about the politics and the hypocrisy was that a subject of conversation oh no no you only say uh, and you cannot talk about anything secretively uh. you could only secretively whisper if anybody heard reported to you 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 could be dead I see, I see. Did you, at this age when uh, you were, you know, this farming, if you want to call it that, it's really not, but foraging for survival, did you have any friends, Margaret, that you could be with or share the experience with? Actually, at that time, I, I'm all the similar uh, kids, um, kind of bully me all the time because I, I was the enemy of the state, right? Mm. They call me ugly names. Like I, I was the landlord hog because we were the landlord classification. This is the oh. worst classification. So that that was um, very uh, uh, hard. So also it kind of gave me the, the uh, inspiration to be standing up against them. Mm -hmm. so, so because you had been successful, you were seen as like a big time exploiter. And that yes, was the exactly. worst possible thing you could do in communism. That's that's what uh, the government said, right? That's so then all the all the people they were poor. I Majority see. people they were working uh, for other people for the landlord, right? They were liberated and they were given the land they were given the houses. Of course, they were happy. In the end, the, the land is still taken away from them. Mm -hmm. The government uh, took away in the end. Mm 
Mm. But at that time, they were celebrating happy. Even now, people uh, are still very grateful to Chiang Mao because they brought uh, uh, them um, uh, wealth uh, in their way, you know, gave them power. Mm-hmm. I see. So, you know, the book is so fascinating and it's so you can just really imagine so clearly this life of desperation and starvation, even trying to figure out what you could burn to keep the fire going because there was not a lot of wood. Yes, <laughs> that, uh, that was really hard because I was very still very small and then I had to carry the, the buckets. It's kind of big with the, with the pole. Uh, and then I, I would uh, dig up all the roots uh, from the uh, from the uh, cotton cotton woods, mm-hmm. and then left it in, in in the ground, really hard to to dig up. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's what I would do to go to the fields to dig up all those people left over things to bring home to use. And otherwise, you cannot cook. Uh, even the weeds, right? <laughs> right, right. And then eventually you went to work in a brick factory. That was such an advancement in my life. Mm. It was yeah. very labor uh, inten- intensive. Yes. Very, very hard. And you, your, your face, your body covered with, with dust. Mm-hmm. And still pretty happy uh, making... Like uh, one uh, one yuan a day, uh, uh, one yuan a day probably equivalent of twenty five cents. Mm-hmm. And you were with your sister at that time, or she had already started teaching. Uh, oh, my oldest sister, you know, uh, the double happiness. She mm-hmm. she was teaching. She she was teaching in the in the uh, big city. And I was the, the free babysitter for, for years. And uh-huh. then I kind of escaped from, from that. And then I, I went to the uh, factory and, uh, and, uh, and uh, working in fear. It was like an illegal immigrant. <laughs> yes, yes. And so you did the bricks, you know, and you still lived with your mom at that time? Uh, no, I, it's very far from my parents uh, at the see. time. My, my parents uh, had to be with my brothers in the in the uh, country. Yes. Yeah, in the village there. So the I I really didn't have a place to live with them. So then I I lived in the factory. You share one small room with about eight people. That there are like bunk beds up and down. So live there. How did you keep going on after this kind of life? And I'm, I have to assume that there was hopelessness. Yes, that's a very good question. I, I even still going back, how could my mother uh, continue the way she, she did? It's just uh, unbelievable, the, the, the condition. Not only the poverty, it also the the discrimination uh, against you mm-hmm. for uh, doing nothing wrong, 
but you you were the one um, uh, step on the ground and put a thousand feet on. That's the slogan. Mm-hmm. Down with the landlord, right? We were the worst enemy. I think my mother, uh, her belief that doing good things, we didn't do anything wrong, gave her the, the confidence in her heart that she felt that there will be better. Life mm. would be better. You just have to continue. You look forward, you will have that dangling earrings someday. The dangling earrings. Oh, that's such a beautiful image in your book. Thank you. So what does that mean? Could you talk a little bit about, because our audience may not have read your book yet, although I'm sure (laughs) that we'll want to. Talk about what dangling earrings mean to you. Yes, that was one day. Um, uh, it's in a, a hot summer and the mosquitoes all over the place and, and then we went to the levee to to cool in the evening and then and so under the moon and then so um, mother suddenly uh, uh, recalled her old times when when she was uh, well off and, and then she asked me have you ever seen dangling earrings and she measured with her fingers this long uh, in your uh, ears, and, and then like when you turn your head, and they would dangle like that. So she sh- she showed me her head turning. I said, no, I, I never saw that. But I would uh, uh, go to the uh, uh, plants, you know, the the sweet leaf that was a stem. I would yes. break that with that little skin attached, and then you put it on your ear, and then uh-huh. you you use uh, pretending you have the. Uh, earrings that dangle, right? So I said, yeah, I, I just only have the pretending uh, mm-hmm. a, a sweet potato. Uh, <laughs> sweet uh, potato earrings. Yeah. Yes, uh, earrings. I said, I, I, don't, I never saw the real dangling earrings. She said, oh, I had those. and and But someday, and you you would have them. And she just uh, painted that picture someday. Uh, I would have it. And, and then, so the next thing, we don't even have dinner tomorrow. <laughs> uh, but there was something in her faith and her, she's looking forward and her belief that the, knowing this is terrible, knowing we have no earrings, but one day it will be different for us. Yes, that one day. Yes. So and that, they, that I, I'm sure that. It had a massive influence on you. Yes, yes. So this is why uh, when I came to USA and uh, I did go to the mall uh, to get my, um, like, uh, what do you call that? Get my, the uh, ears punched, uh, the the ears. Ears. (laughs) And then I I had that and then for a long time. And then I, I was able to, uh, put the long uh, dangling earrings. So uh, even now, when whenever I go to the uh, book clubs, and mm-hmm. I would put on the uh, dangling earrings, and then the, all the readers, they immediately would see. recognize that. The okay, dangling. I see your dangling earrings. It means so like a, much to you. Such a symbol of resilience. Yes. And hope. Hope. And the dream. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. See, important events I would put on, it's just the honor, the dream, and the hope, and the faith. And I want to share this with people. 
uh, doesn't matter what uh, um, difficult conditions uh, we are in, if we have inside the hope and the faith and courage, we would uh, be able to achieve any goals in our life. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter is a work, job, and love, family, and all that we can achieve. And talk about, Margaret, talk about you being accepted at the university, which was such an impossible goal because you had not been in school. Yes. How, how <laughs> did you think, how on earth did this happen? Um, again, it was really courage. And I, the formal education was a uh, third grade. And then the cultural revolution started and, and then I couldn't uh, go back to school. And so then uh, we were not allowed to go to uh, high school because we were the enemy of the state. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I couldn't go to high school. Other kids uh, my age all could go. Uh, and and uh, even my sister, older sister, couldn't go to a middle school. And she became a peasant when she was 14. So a then... So you were being punished, continue to be punished and discriminated because you had been landowners and now you were the worst devils. Yes, exactly. It's a, a, the whole society should regard you that way. So I couldn't go to college, but my mother never uh, allowed us girls to do the girl things like embroider, like uh, uh, knitting, like uh, sewing. She wouldn't. She would uh, uh, make you read the book. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I didn't even have books at home to read. And then, uh, and then there were friends, a relative with a radio. And then uh, my mother would uh, go borrow and let me listen to it. And later, uh, after you borrow, that's that's a really such an asset. It's like you are. It's like you have you own an airplane, you know, oh and then they, they wouldn't want to let you use it long, right? They had to take it back. So I, I just uh, they were so rare much to yeah to to yeah. to do. And then so my education stayed, but my mother's talking to me. I, I learned a lot of uh, stories uh, and then the um, uh, fairy fairy tales and and all those things kind of helped. Uh, uh, form my my literature brain actually and the idioms and and all that. So uh, when uh, Chemamao died and then uh, and then uh, Peng Xiaoping took over and uh, he decided to abolish the uh, discrimination and and uh, the classification mm-hmm. and so we suddenly freed from the from being the enemy of the state. That was such unbelievable moment and mm-hmm. in the book and and I uh, I wrote details on that and so did it then, stick I yes. mean did people in the in the culture forgive or did they say well that's the law but I still discriminate that's the law and okay. they 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 were kind of follow following the leaders what the leaders said they just okay. would do I the leader see. said, okay, now everybody can go to uh, college. And then so then you could go to college, but now everybody 
uh, has to take the national test. Right. So then, uh, then I had the, the, the courage and the dream. I wanted to be a teacher. The only way you become a teacher is to go to college, right? But I only had a third uh, 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 grade education. How could I compete with high school uh, students? It was impossible. Well, and not only not only third grade education, but you had been starved. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I was, but then that was that was like a norm to to me. I didn't even even know that there, there was such a thing as a, a food that abundance. Just, you 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 thought that you you supposed to be hungry. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was normal. I see. I see. Yeah, yeah. And then other people would have more food. We admired them. But for us, that has been the way. You you worry about the next uh, day. No mm-hmm. food. Always the next meal. <laughs> yes. Yes. And and then just uh, never would know, never would think there was one day your bucket would be full of rice. That would be like you become like a, a billionaire. Oh my! So goodness. it's it's impossible that you don't even think of that. If if you have a little, then then you you have tomorrow you have food that you feel good at the time. So we didn't even know we were in such poverty. But you were you were trying to make up for all these lost years of education and your brain didn't have enough fuel yet you still you still persevered it's unbelievable i was fainting all the time you were and fainting when you, when you like when you squat we 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 squat and then you stand up and then you black out for a few seconds mm. uh, one time i was uh, uh, on a on a cross river ship, and then I had to get off the ship on the deck, right? And then I suddenly I, I was fainting, and then I had to cross uh, and then hold the the post of the deck for a few seconds. That was my teenager time. Yes. You were so going so... to college was a um, a real uh, risk. I was just uh, fantasizing and just. Uh, stupid and to even think of that and uh, who are you uh, not even uh, a uh, high school student even high school student you had only six percent of chance right. to be successful right. and, and how, how dare you, you 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 think of yourself that big you know so it's just really a lot of uh, discrimination and just the people people laughing at you and seeing bad things behind you Right. Uh, if you you didn't, uh, if I failed, and then I couldn't be there because totally um, people would uh, continuously ridicule. Mm-hmm. What did your mother say to you about the discrimination and the ridicule? They just uh, know it was uh, injustice. They I always see. had that in their in their mind. And whispered that there was injustice. We didn't exploit the people, and just uh, and just always talk about uh, what the charity they did, like the uh, during the farming uh, famine, and then the like after um, disaster, natural disaster, no uh, harvest, and 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 the people would line up 
and they would give them cooking oil free and food free. Your 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 family would help the community. Yeah, yeah, that's the way you can say community. They were the villages. So that was uh, also that time I wasn't born. Uh, and then another thing they did was that uh, like uh, sometimes in we close to the Yangtze River, and in the river sometimes there are dead people floating around, oh. and then. So if anybody um, would uh, go use a certain, uh, particular thing to to get the, the, the body up and then bury the body, and then they could come to get the rewards from uh, from the I the see. So, I see. And then also they built a, te- uh, a temple, a Buddhist temple. A temple. So, yeah, and the, the temple is still there. It's a very running down. I wish to help build. <laughs> someday mm-hmm. so um do you so think that do you think being buddhist helped you get through this no we couldn't uh, believe in buddhist either my, it helped my mom mm. yeah and I, uh, I grew up uh, educated uh, from the society and from the leaders that uh, you 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 don't believe anything you know, the capitalist uh, uh, use the religion to fool their people. I see. I see. It was all about Chairman Mao and communism. Yes. Yeah, Chairman Mao saved uh, China, and uh, this way it was new China, and the Chairman Mao was uh, the real leader, mm-hmm. uh, the savior. Uh, mm-hmm. Chairman Mao is the red sun. The red the sun. I yeah. see. So you, with your mom's help, uh, did so much work to take the exams for for entrance. Yes. What was I, that like? Going built my my literary uh, mind, and so made my mind creative. And then when I spend the time preparing myself, only eight months. I prepared for seven subjects to take, and and, and the the Chinese uh, language part and the composition. I think I, I took advantage of my mother's education. Ah. Uh, and then also politics. You have to write. You have to uh, study. And then remember the days. All that you you still anything involving writing. I I was good, uh, even though I didn't go to high school. Because of the words, and my mother uh, kept talking to me, I would just use that. Uh, and so that kind of helped me. And so you took the exam, and do you remember taking the exam thinking, I can do this, or this is never going to work, or, I mean, how, what was the experience sitting and taking your entrance exams? Uh, in, in my mind, I, I, I thought it was impossible for me to, to succeed. But uh, then I, I, I felt that uh, I, I had that uh, hope. If I, I just uh, uh, fail, uh, it's uh, automatic uh, fail, failing, uh, failure if I didn't even take the test. So right. at least I want to take the test. If I fail and then... Uh, I feel that uh, with my trying, That's and right. so there is no, there was no clue, and I kind of more felt I, I, I would, I wouldn't uh, succeed. 
And then how long does it take to get your acceptance letter back? You had to wait a long time or no? Yes, uh, months. Because after you took the test, it's a three-day test for seven subjects. Oh, my goodness. And you have to take you have to take Chinese Chinese politics. You have to take history. You have to take geography, and you have to uh, take math. You have to take um, uh, uh, foreign language if you had one. So then, my advantage I did was the foreign language, because I took English. I learned from A to Z. Uh-huh. And then so I took that, and that was the advantage over other, uh, most other uh, students. Mm-hmm. So then I I kind of, and it took a few months to have the score back because it was a very severe uh, test, and then uh, n- uh, national uh, test, and then the the uh, result from like very secluded. Uh, uh, experts to give the scores I so that uh, no crime involved. No. Oh, I see. No cheating. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah your uh, test papers transported uh, in a central pla- place of the uh, province. I see. It was yeah. so guarded. Yes, guarded, yes. Yes. And do you remember when you got the news that you had been accepted to the university? No, that was very late. Uh, and the first good news you have to see if you reach the bottom line score. I see. So when the 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 score, uh, no computer at that time, right? So when the when your class, when the schools graduating uh, year. And the the students, uh, all their test score arrived, right? The, the score with the list, all the names, and then their their score next to the names. Oh and then goodness. the news and they reported that was the basic the uh, line, the minimum, bottom minimum line you have to reach. If you like at that time, if you didn't reach 600 scores. Then you you there is no chance you could go to college. I see. So you made like the first cut, but I, not. I made it like six hundred thirty something, just <laughs> a little bit above that. And do you remember that moment when you yes. saw your name? <laughs> yeah, I did. It was on a black uh, on a uh, black uh, words on a red paper on the wall uh, on. Uh, of the high school. So I found my name, right? And then next to it, it was uh, uh, over 600, the bottom uh, line. Um, and it was just uh, like you felt like you are floating. So uh, then you felt so happy. And then suddenly you start to have fear. But you reach that bottom line doesn't mean they are going to take you because there are other people higher than you. They will right, take. right. So, it's just the continuous anxiety. Mm-hmm. And there's no cell phones to call your mom and say, guess what? You're never going to believe what happened. You have to no, wait. No, there isn't. Yeah. You, you, you walk uh, for like uh, uh, 40 miles <laughs> because you, you, you didn't have money to take the, the bus, right? Even like 50 cents is still very expensive. Mm-hmm. So then you, you would walk, like walk for a day. Oh, my goodness. 
And how is it for you to talk about this now? Does it, do you still have painful feelings or is it far enough in the past where the pain is no longer there? Yeah, the pain still there. Depends on what a topic. It could, yeah. could still get you very emotional. But most of the time I feel very grateful to be here, to be now. And uh, this is why I um, established a nonprofit organization. Um, I would like to to share people with people uh, good health and then uh, uh, hope and also uh, inspire them and to enjoy their abundance. Mm-hmm. In America, it doesn't matter who you are, you can always make it. You have so much support and 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 just so much abundance people share and, and no discriminations. And really we can make it whatever your goal in life. I really want to inspire, especially young people. I heard the young people, they even have depression and things like that. I just wish that I could let them know what I went through. If you uh, had to go through what I went through, now you feel that you are uh, you are in paradise. Right, like you won the lottery. Yes, yes, you won the lottery. What what is the name of the nonprofit that you founded, Margaret? It's called the Life Renewing Center. Mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. helped a, a lot of people with my team because many of us that uh, uh, we have uh, challenges in health, in, including myself, mm-hmm. and then so now I, I show them uh, how to overcome with a positive view. And, and and so many of them they changed and and the forever uh, with the life more positive thoughts mm-hmm. and 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 uh, as a result they are healthy improved. Of course, and it's liferenewingcenter.org. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So <laughs> then you eventually left China after it was legal and yes. you and you established a life in California. Yes. Mhm. And you became of all things a comedian. Yes. <laughs> How did that happen? Because I just feel that a uh, uh, humor uh, really can change your attitude and and make sadness uh, uh, more uh, how to say acceptable. And then we when we change our mind, our thoughts, and then the surroundings changing with us. And then I, I my uh, uh, how to say at that time I was uh, watching like a uh, uh, Jay Leno. Uh, the, the yeah, Jay Leno, yeah. Yes, and the Roseanne show. Yes. Uh, and then I, it was all new to me. And then the uh, only thing that I, I felt very uh, surprised is that uh, they promote kind of the kids, very rude. They found it very uh, funny. They like that. I, I was like uh, questioning about that. Disrespectful. <laughs> I, yeah. You know, like uh, I would never, ever be rude to, to my parents, right. to, to anybody elder. 
uh, teachers and all this, just that's just even now I carry that I, I wouldn't uh, uh, be rude to anybody even right. so that's something it's really a shock to me but the humor from Geneno and then I watch other uh, stand-up comedians I I start to be so so admiring and then when I'm teaching my my healing classes like Tai Chi Qigong Mm-hmm. And then I, what I say things, the people start to laugh. And also they, they love my accent. I say wrong things, right? They uh-huh. laugh at it. So then I realize that, hey, I can, I can make it into like a joke. Yes. And, and then so I, uh, I have the encouragement from my class. I say, hey, why don't you go to the improv? Uh-huh. And you, you can be a comedian. I didn't even know you could do that. They suggested <laughs> me. I went there. So, so without even knowing what I was going into. That's the courage. That's the that Margaret was, courage. So then when I go to my uh, book club, right? And then they, they just, when I enter the door, they start to laugh. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> what are you laughing? I cannot believe it. You are a comedian because they, they read the end of the book. I was yes. on the stage. So they, they just laugh very hard. And even now I, uh, I talk to people, my accent is uh, still strong uh, and I can never get rid of it. And I talked to people and I said, yes, I do stand-up comedy. They would drop everything and yeah. their mouth just just <laughs> wide open. You do comedy? <laughs> and then start to laugh. Uh, yes. I don't know if it was funny or they just uh, uh, unbelievable. I just don't know. They just start yeah. to laugh already. <laughs> and you like being on the stage? It is very, how to, uh, how to say, it's very... Um, uh, can be very uh, uh, stressful yes. because, because you have to be so right at the timing and, and the minutes. And, and uh, I, I like the, uh, the uh, how to say, the challenge. Yes. <laughs> it's not easy. Nothing, I mean, it's, easy. Not, it's not easy, but from where you come from, it must feel, you know, challenge, yes, but not life-threatening. Not a life-threatening challenge. It's different because right. y- your heart will race, and and the the audience the crowd can be different, and they give you how many minutes uh, different. So you have to be uh, organizing the right. You better not forget because uh, when you interact with the audience, you may forget your train of thoughts. So yes. a, a few seconds of silence is like a failure to a I comedian see. on the stage. My goodness. It's, it's quite unbelievable. And how do you write your material? Do you um, do you observe American culture? I think you told me once. What what material do you like to use? Yes, I do observe American uh, culture and then the uh, the idioms. I love American idioms. My ah. first book is here with me still, and I came to USA. I bought that book. I stood in line a new uh, book uh, store opening. Uh, the, the first 50 people would get $10 to go uh, toward the books. And I bought two books. One is a small dictionary. The other is a Chinese, uh, is an American idiom. Uh-huh. So I still have the idiom book with me, even uh-huh. now, uh, almost, almost 30 years. Uh-huh. So I studied that, and then I, I find inspiration in it. Mm-hmm. And also people's conversation, and I listen, I found that it's very funny. I use that. 
Mm-hmm. And the um, the you know the um, John Kennedy's uh, speech, a famous remark. Yeah. I use that to be a very funny joke that I never fail. Uh huh. <laughs> John Kennedy's. Which one do you like? Which quote? The the one um you know I I my uh, I I would say uh, as I come home uh, tell my husband he should follow uh, uh what uh, uh President Kennedy. Uh, uh, said, and my husband asked, what did he say? I said, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your wife. <laughs> Very nice. And does he appreciate that joke? He, he, he becomes more uh, uh, humorous after <laughs> being with me. And I he, he's he's a, a, an engineer, very uh-huh. introvert, a nerd, right? Ah. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like after, oh, I surprised him. He's a, he's like a typical Caucasian American born in Minnesota. Okay? Oh my goodness! And then when we first married, and, and then so I I save everything. I cannot handle anybody. Uh, wasting water, paper, because I grow up no paper, no books, and so the the napkin, you know, he would just use a big napkin and and just tab on the lips and then just throw away, right? Yeah. I thought it's so wasteful, and then I would cut the uh, the napkin into four pieces. <laughs> And put it on the table. So then he would take only one small piece and look at me. I, I nod my head, yes, one, still, <laughs> even the one quarter of a, a, a yes. napkin. So he, he was using that. One time he begged me, he said, could we, <laughs> could we use the, yeah, yeah, one quarter of the napkin. I cut it in the small piece. He only yeah. can use one small at a time, right? <laughs> and so... If I'm around, of course, behind my back, I don't know. Uh-huh. And then he uses the whole napkin when, he <laughs> uses when you're not around. He cheats. That's right. So one time he begged me, he said, Margaret, can, can we use a regular napkin? And uh, because my uncle is uh, come here. <laughs> <laughs> a special occasion. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Thank so you. I feel sorry for him to deal with me. <laughs> <laughs> Margaret, you are a priceless, priceless. Oh, thank you, Nicole. Love so your show. <laughs> I wanted to let our audience know about your book, your award-winning memoir, Really Enough, A True Story of Tyranny, Courage, and comedy and this book you can buy everywhere yes on amazon on my uh, website mm-hmm. and the website is also really enough yes www.reallyenough.com okay okay that is beautiful. I'm going to put that in the show notes for people. And do you have any last words you want to share with our audience before we say goodbye? Thank you, Nicole, for having me. I'm very thankful for your appreciation of uh, my life story. I want all your audience to know that uh, 
appreciating this show you have to offer. Yeah. I never would imagine I grew up in China would have this opportunity to listen good shows like yeah. like you offer. And also I want everyone out there to appreciate what they have mm-hmm. and enjoy the happiness in life. Oh my goodness. A beautiful human being, Margaret. I'm going to uh, send our audience over to learn more about you and read your beautiful book. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Good fortune in the pig year. (laughs) Ah, remember? Yes. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. And next week, we're going to be speaking with Marianne Suko, who is a nurse and an author. She's part of the collaboration of All's Authors. And she writes from uh, her own perspective as a nurse about the experience of dementia. And these are fictional books, but they're really beautifully written and have won some uh, lovely prizes. And please consider becoming a patron of the show. You will get access to exclusive bonuses and you will be part of the Zestful Aging community. Keep us going strong. Go to patreon.com slash Zestful Aging. See you next time for another episode of Zestful Aging.